0: Welcome back to the Dirt Bike Brito Podcast. My name is Jeremy. This is a part two episode with Benji from Daring to Venture. Now, thank you so much for listening to the first one. If you have, it's been an absolute rollercoaster of emotions with Benji. It's been an absolute privilege to sit down and listen to his story. This one, he finally gets onto a bike. That's right. We finally talk about motorcycles and the beginning to his adventures around Australia. Once again, we do visit a few topics that may be a bit sensitive. So there may be some content in this episode that you may find upsetting. This week's shout-out goes to Andy Johnson. Him and his boys Lennox and Jaden are fans that catch up with Alex every time Alex is down at Hartley Valley. Um, I believe that they are actual Truth fans uh, of the podcast. So thanks so much, Andy. I know Alex gets a bit of a big head when he knows there's some fans hanging around. So thanks for stroking Alex's ego, Andy. Look forward to meeting you sometime. Like always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Grassroots Hard Enduro, B&B Off-Road, Global Racing Oils, Acherbys Australia, Ride ADV, Next Adventure, and Pulse Media. Thank you so much. Once again, Goat Mountain Extreme is still with us and they have given us some more jumpers. So we have some more jumpers for sale. Uh, Make sure you hit us up on social media or go over to the Goat Mountain website to check them out. We have a few, again, limited stock. So we'll make some ads on social media to promote them. Hopefully you guys can get in and get them. They went really fast last time. So make sure if you do want a jumper or a beanie get straight on us. Uh, all money raised goes to a great cause, Tim Coleman. Hope you enjoy this episode. Part three will come out after this one. It's an epic tale. Make sure you share them. Uh, share the episode and go follow Benji. I know he's got some amazing things coming up and he is an absolute cracker of a guy. Also, if you haven't already, go have a look at his book. It goes into way more detail about his life, uh, about his ventures around Australia uh it's an absolute awesome read if you can't find it just just message the page we can then set you up on it go check it out it's oh it's an unbelievable tale and a a great motorcycle read so until next time keep riding and stay safe cheers
1: welcome to the dirt bike burrito podcast each episode the crew will be talking with riders organizers and supports in the off-road motorcycle scene from desert racing and hard enduro to flat track and trials a little bit of everything rolled into one a dirt bike burrito follow us and stay up to date with upcoming guests on our social media pages and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just a heads up, these boys and girls are passionate about what they do. Some bad words could jump out throughout the episode. So sit back in your car or crank your workout to the next level and enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Dirt Bike Breeder podcast. Jeremy again, Benji, part two. Get Let's get onto a motorbike, mate. We'll get onto a motorbike. By, eventually, by, eventually, we're going to get onto a motorbike. So let's let's start the uh, the episode back where we left off. You would just been kicked out. Well, no, you just had a persuasive discussion about leaving the police force, <laughs> which then you ended up quitting, all yeah. because of a memoir that you po- like you were you're bringing out to try and inspire people ended up crushing a dream that you had had forever.
1: Yeah, well, technically, the dream wasn't forever. So, this, so funnily enough, so I always wanted to be in the special forces. You know, we've yep. spoken about that. Then I thought, well, I just want to be a fireman. And after like applying for that, never getting in, never getting in, I just thought, oh god, I'm going to join the police force. I'll be a cop. They'll take anyone. Whoa, <laughs> Victorian Police. Here we go. And you know, I was like, God, I'm, I'll just and I was like resigned, resigned my fate to the fact that well, I I, I just wanted to. You know, because I guess it was a, it was a, a safe career path. Yeah, and and, know, when,
0: and as you said before in the last episode, those. you you went full once again. You you excelled in it because it was something that you were used to. Your ex, your ex, your ex, experience or that grit, determination, which then you put into something that was really easy. You were just getting told what to do, which you could follow. It wasn't you having to cut your own path, which is what you've been doing for so many years beforehand. To then have that taken away and then go back. Once again, you went back to civilian life. Just after the Navy, you got that ripped out from you. You had, had to go back to civilian life. How did how did that go?
1: So, yeah, coming, so you've been coming back to civilian life yeah. after the police. Yeah,
0: and because you had all these people as well behind you. Like, once yeah. you said blowing that smoke up your ass, your head was huge. Of you course. were strutting. And then you had to, like, reside to the fact that you weren't going to
1: be a police officer. Yes, yeah, so and now I was just another cog in the mighty machine again, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was, it really took uh, its toll on me emotionally. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I just got fixated on the idea that I shouldn't have shown him the book. I shouldn't have done this. I kept saying to my wife, I said, you know, you deserve better than me. What do you see in me? I'm a total loser. Real dark you know, sign. Real dark space.
0: Because, I mean, you'd had so many compounding factors that had brought you to this as well, like the, the, the Navy. <clears throat> Your mum passing away, yeah. um, the childhood kind of factor, and then yeah, the uh, the uh, the firefighters, and now the police. Like you just had so many things working yeah, against you. It was you.
1: like, what do I have to do, yeah, to prove my my worth mm. in to 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 be in this society? To... That,
0: that would put you in such a dark place.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so it was a really really tough time. So I think there was like three a good three months there where. Yeah, I was just rattling around, going over the same story in my head. And it it was just, it must have been exhausting for everyone in my life who loved me at the time. And they were all really worried about me. Um, Yeah, it was a really tough time.
0: And so what were you, like you were saying you had, you know, these dark thoughts. And what what were they saying?
1: Look, so when when my, the negative self-talk starts in my mind, you know, it's just... The the, the biggest thing the voice is saying is that, you know, anyone who ever bullied you and told you you're a piece of shit was totally right. Really? You know, I looked at my dad. My dad had been, you know, a drunk, like a nice guy. Like he wasn't violent at all, but he was just... He was a drunk. He was just a drunk, you know, couldn't, couldn't look after himself. Did you ever still have a relationship with him at this point? We had a relationship. Yeah. You know, like he asked me for money and I gave it to him when he needed it. Right, that
0: that relationship.
1: Yeah. he was a nice guy and was he still
0: living up in Tom price as well no by
1: that stage he'd <laughs> retired and moved back to Sweden right so but he was also on the pension in Sweden living with his sister um, <clears throat> and basically they were like five bucks away from the from the poverty wheel over there as well mm-hmm. so and I understood like he suffered with um, he was never diagnosed with it but everyone believes that he had um he was on the spectrum on the asperger spectrum so he really struggled with um with social cues and social interaction right. and just doing things that were socially appropriate yeah so he could never hold a job for example never had money couldn't control his money couldn't had um little outbursts and spoke exact had no filter which got him into a lot of trouble mm. often um you know, so those are the sorts of things you had to deal with. And like, as a kid growing up, I was like, it just confused the shit out of me. I was like, what the hell is this guy's problem? But then I did a bit of research into those things and sort of began to understand him as an adult. Started connecting those so dots and figuring I out. I couldn't hold, like, I was like, why did you just walk out on mum and Mom and the kids? And why did you just let her take us? Like, if those were my kids, I would have fought till I was blue in the face to, to see my kids and you just let her take us. Mm-hmm you know yeah. and all that sort of stuff but <clears throat> so he wasn't the fighter my mum was the fighter yeah in the family so um and he just didn't really he just never picked up on the social cues like i could i think there was a six-year period where i just never referred to him as dad and he just never even picked up on it yeah right yeah you know, he was just like i'd be like oh, g'day big ben how you going He's like, oh hello son yeah it's yeah. good to hear from you again yeah, right. Have you got any spare money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, you know, he just wasn't so and so it was frustrating, but that was just him, you know. So, he was he was still so we had a relationship. He was living in Sweden. I was going through a divorce. He had a heart attack. Um, but just a mild one. But we,
0: yeah, well, man, we've gone yep. way, 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 yep. way, sorry, way far. So he was.
1: So he wasn't healthy. He, yeah. he, his health was
0: deteriorating. And so you. So once uh, we'll go back because you've you've skipped a lot of stuff. there. I'm now, sorry. I, already, I know. I know. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back. So we were talking about those dark thoughts and that self that that self doubt you had and the voices in your head now telling you weren't good enough. You know, yeah. This this wasn't it. That obviously then led to what you just mentioned before the downfall of your relationship to yeah, so, your marriage. For well, you know, how long were we together? Eight years?
1: We were together eight years. Yeah. And I think, you know, it just it just took its toll Yeah, on, it just took its toll on everyone, the whole thing. And look, so in those dark moments, like my dad was also a bum for a while sleeping in the back of his car. Yeah. No job, no family, no one loved him. Stress and there as well. My, my deepest fear was like, I was just going to grow up and be my dad. Yeah. You're no better than your were dad. Were you drinking as well at that point? At the time, look, I'd always try to keep off the booze, but I think by then I was just like, f- no, actually no, I wasn't drinking much at the time because I was still with my my partner, yeah, my wife. I was still with my wife, the love of my life. We were trying for a child just before, um, during during or during my time at the academy, we were actually having real serious discussions about children. Wow. Yeah, so...
0: So that, that's, once again, that's just another factor on top because now you, you, you've gotten that no future in, in the in the police force. You had that, that seed of an idea for becoming a dad and now that's all ripped away from you. It's like, yeah. am I going to be good enough to be a dad? Which is then compounding with everything oh. else, all those horrible thoughts about you not being so, good enough or you being shit, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just... It was crazy. So I so actually remember...
1: I remember I, I went to... Um, so I had this... Um, Psychologist that I I had a relationship with, you know, like we'd seen each other like over the years. In fact, she helped me with my prep for the for the police force, and she knew about my book, and she was one of my greatest supporters. So I went and saw her after I I got stood down, and she was just in shock. She couldn't believe it, and she actually said to me, "She goes, Benji, look, I am really sorry that I never thought that your book would get you in this kind of trouble. I should have I should have seen the the red flag there or whatever that connection said, that could have happened. Yeah. You know, what? there was fifty other people on the planet who." could have seen the connection and they never did so don't worry about it and I remember this um, we went to this um, chat with her me and my wife and she goes well look all this bad stuff's happened in your life there's been a lot of negativity but what's good in your life mate what's good in your life right now and I just said well you know what the good thing in my life is my wife I've got this amazing woman in my life you know she goes well that you need to focus on the positives mate that is the one good thing in your life and if you can focus on that then everything else will come together she is your rock focus on that you guys are strong together and three weeks later we broke up <laughs> Man. that's so uh, crazy though yeah yeah so and look it just is what it is like i think for my for my wife it had been on the way out for a while yeah for me it was just like a broadside from from i was like what the fuck yeah right right um and i think for her it was like we were going through this thing, like, where are we going to live next? What am I going to do next? She said, yeah. we should sell the house and you should become a school teacher. I said, fuck that. I'm going to get started business and, you know, become a millionaire and prove these pricks wrong that they made yeah. the biggest mistake of their life. I'm not becoming a school teacher and selling the house, mm. you know, but, and it was just arguments. And then there was, anyway, look, so basically we were by that stage in our lives, like, every i had all these doors shutting in my face and her career was excelling and you know her star was rising and we were kind of like at a fork in the road and she was like and you know strong from her to to call it yeah it's say, a big call <clears throat> it's a big big, big call. call and it was you know timing wasn't the best <laughs> let's uh <laughs> let's put that out there but it just is what it is so i remember when we went through that whole separation process like we were both grieving and uh, a beautiful thing yeah but you know i remember clearly she said to me benji you know what i think i really hold you back and when you when you pass this grief you'll also see that you know because there were, again we never did like i wanted to go climb mountains and she wanted to get room service you yeah know? Right. so um <clears throat> so and look it was just all of a sudden so you've lost your career yep you, you know, all of a sudden, your marriage is just, it's Over. ended. Yep. And no one else in our circle saw it. It was just like, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? Yeah. So then it was just like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. this is... And um... your dad was sick as well at that point, so... Well, he he just had a mild heart attack. Yeah. So um, he just had a mild heart attack. Didn't, you know, I was like, you know, honestly, I, at the time, it was like... Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Look, I've just got all the shit going on here. I'm yeah. focused on this, you know? So um, at that time, just like getting to survival mode, like what the, What do you... So was it survival mode or like a
0: self-destructive mode as well? It's
1: Pretty much self-destructive mode. Yeah, let's yeah. call, you know, yeah. let's call a spade a spades. I was yeah. like, fuck this. Yeah. I am getting loose. So... Um, and, yeah, that's, think, and that's what you did. <clears throat> I think the next probably 12 or 18 months, because another friend of mine was going through a divorce as well. So we were each other's sounding boards, you know pretty wild, pretty reckless. No, no, um, no career ambitions, yeah. no future, um, prospects. no, no future prospects, nothing yeah. like that. I actually, no woman to keep you in control no, as well. So yeah, like, no boundaries. So then, um, I spent, no, so that was probably March. We separated. And the divorce started going through. Um, I started getting pretty loose for that whole time, but I actually was trying to, trying hard to win her back. Rah, rah, rah. But, um, So then my dad died in November, just, he had a a severe heart attack. Mm. Mm.
0: Just once again, just,
1: and it was just laying on top, just laying on top. But so what was actually really crazy at that time is, so like, I think a week or two before I got that news, I had this other job and it didn't work out. And I, and so I fucking, like, it was just, I was unemployed at the time as well. So I was like, I am unemployed. My dad just died. I got no life going for, I got nothing to look forward to, nothing to get up for. No. You know, this is shit. So what I actually did is I went and got a, I went to the bank. So I got fired from, well, no, I quit this job actually. Fuck them. I quit. Right. <laughs> <coughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put that in there. Yeah, you quit. Yeah, you quit. No, so um. You, anyway. You
0: lost your job, but well, you quit your job. You went and got a bank loan. Yeah. We're still giving the false pretense that you had a job. Yeah.
1: So I got this bank loan for like, on my last two pages, I said, how much money can I lend? You know, and they said, we can give you 20 grand. I said, give me 20 grand. I want to go buy a car. I've got this great job. You know? Man. And I was just like, I'm never paying this money back. I'm not even going to see New Year's. I'm just going to ride this paycheck into oblivion mm-hmm. and just... Full self-destruct mode. Full self-destruct mode, yeah. That is so a then... dark place to be, brother. It was. It was really, 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 probably the darkest time in my life. Yeah. Um. So then my dad just, you know, he was suddenly, he was gone. Yeah. So,
0: and so, and th- but before, you know, your horrific moment when your dad left, why did you buy a van?
1: So I actually went... I f- so I flew over to Sweden for the for the funeral. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I had to write the eulogy for my dad and I was like, what do I say? He, is a, he loves a guy that was kind enough to... He was a kind fella, but never did anything inspiring in his life. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that really hit home. So I kind of went... I sort of just sort of had a moment with him by by his coffin I said you know because I did love him like he was he was a kind gentle person yeah there wasn't a bad bone in his body but he just couldn't get his shit together yeah that's all that's all it was and I just said to him mate I'm I swear I'm never gonna live a life like you the last thing I wanna be is you know and and is your embodiment like Mm. I'm going to live a rich and inspiring life and teach my kids to do the same yeah You know, so then when I got home, I went and saw, um, I got home and look, don't get me wrong. I got home and just kept getting loose, obviously. But, um, so I went and saw like the people, like the the main people in my life, the people who'd sort of helped me through my divorce and helped me with my brother. And these are like my, almost like my surrogate family. You know, they are my family now. I would call call them my family. So I went and saw Victor and I said, Victor, you know, I want to buy a van. I want to buy a van and just get the hell out of this place. You know, I've got some money.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So, um, and the very next day, he, he was, this, like, Victor's the guy who knows people, knows everything. And he's one of those guys. He's the wheeler and dealer. You know, everyone's got that guy. You know, you need something, you find him. So, he found me this van. It was a Ford Transit van, long wheelbase. Uh, had been a courier's truck. The guy selling it had owned it since new and basically ticked all the boxes. It was just an empty shell. So, I was just like, boom, bought it on the spot. 2000 bucks. you know. 2000 bucks. 2000 bucks. Yeah, he just because look, it was that guy was had a sad story as well. He lost his wife and was just getting rid of everything, and he also wanted to get going. So he sort of we had that. Yeah, right. And I, he just said, "Mate, just give me two grand, you can have it." <clears throat> yeah. So um, big empty vessel. Big empty vessel, and I just looked at this thing and I said, "This van is going to project me into my new life." Yeah, right. So I think it was like for the next twelve months or so. I just started decking it out. put a fridge in the back.
0: And was that your turning point from being so self-destructive to now now having a an aim, a
1: target? No. It was were, actually, you still,
0: were you still just destructive? As oh, that?
1: yeah. So, yeah, quite often, more often than not. So, I was at the time, I was staying with a friend and it was like the idea was to stay with him for six to eight weeks while we went through the divorce and that ended up being 14 months. Mm-hmm. So, at the time, I was just like, well, I'm kind of staying on this guy's couch for his good graces, and I'd just take off in the van as often as I couldn't get away from society. Uh, Or I'd wake up in a pub car park. Or Mm -hmm. I even woke up in the front of a cop shop once. Like, in the back of my van, it's like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah, right. What am I doing here? Yeah. Of all places. Like, I don't even like It was... So, it was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I read in your
0: book as well, and I've heard in a couple of your interviews as well previously, that, you know, some of the moments you've had, you've woken up on a...
1: Church on it like on yeah. a
0: Sunday afternoon covered in your yep. own uh, your own excrement, mate. Yep. What's going
1: on? Yeah, so it just kept on spiralling, you know. So yeah. it was that really...
0: self-destructive tendencies just yeah. finally. It's kind of like they'd finally come out. You, you'd suppressed all this kind of like this rage and this yeah. this, this self harm from you know being a kid to being a teenager yep. to being in your twenties, and now it's like just all come
1: out and exactly. A huge so wave. I think so. For example. You know, there are other members in my family who did turn to drugs and alcohol and did yeah. really go into that abusive from an early age. And I use sport and fitness as a as an outlet. But also, you had goals too. You wanted to be in the navy. You always
0: and so that, that would have kept you on the straight and narrow. Because I can't go. There's into always the... a hyper focus yeah. on something, and that's and that's. I guess if you had had turned to drugs, you maybe your hyper focus would have been on on the yeah. drugs but exactly. you, you had clean focuses, though so you had to be clean to get into the Navy you had to be clean to get into SAS you exactly. couldn't be on that and that's probably what saved you from, from going down that road yeah
1: route. yeah it is 100% yeah correct so but now it's just like well there ain't no goals in front of yeah, me and that's it that's why I am sending it mm-hmm. and um, so yeah it was yeah probably 12 or 14 months where it was just really just and look so also at the same time i was still running a business yeah and i was doing just enough work just to get paid just to get loose just to put a fridge in my van van because you know the money i'd made for the the, the home the the, mo- the loan i got from yeah, the bank yeah, that was yeah. all gone and oh, yeah. it was just like real life could finally come back <laughs> kick you in the
0: ass and it's it like, was yeah.
1: just um, it was spiraling I mean yeah you're saying it's spiraling
0: which is which is true what what you had is spiraling but to still you know some people when they spiral they forget about work they forget about everything you still down like somewhere in that subconscious of yours that hazy hazy subconscious of think, yours still yeah. could see I have to pay bills I have to I have to go to work I have to do
1: that the, I think for me like again because I've been a, a goal oriented guy and the hyper focus thing without a goal. I just created the goal. I created was to build the van and get the fuck out of there. But I mean, that's still great you know? to have. Like mm.
0: the the goal didn't turn to go. Oh, I am gonna get fucking wasted. That's all. <laughs> I, like, we, but you know, you we were saying that you were self destructive. Like, you know, you you had no no kind of like aspiration to pay that loan back. You didn't even want to make it to New Year's, and now you are like, oh well, I got ten years. I better pay the van off. You know what I am yeah, saying? Yeah, like, so that's, um, that's quite good.
1: That, so I so I've got this van, and you know, look, I like it was so funny. So. When the van started coming together, like everything sort of started coming into my Like, I needed, like, because I'm a roofer, right? The whole thing is insulated with the best insulation money can buy. I got this blue marine. Like, the whole thing probably cost me a couple of hundred bucks to build because it was all just leftover building materials. Yeah. And this was donated from him. And my mate helped me build that. And this was made. I made the roof rack with Victor and we welded that together. Then someone else helped me put the auto electrical in. And me and another mate, we vinyl wrapped a, a map of the world on the ceiling. Of yeah, I've van. seen that. Yeah, the big compass. And and Stuff, like just awesome. You it checked it really good. Yes, yeah, so it's got this big uh, wooden shelf on along the the driver's side and I've got LED lights in that and then the knot holes fill with light and it just illuminates the van. It's a total pimped out... It's a love wagon.
0: Let's call it what it is. It's a, it's a high-spec love, <laughs> oh, high yeah, yeah. love wagon. It's so, a high-spec love wagon. It's a high-spec love wagon. On the
1: outside, it looks like a, a dirty, rotten, tradie truck, which is what it is. So it can, you know... Blend in. Blend in. And Full on the inside... Sleeper. On the inside, it is uh, it is an undercover covert vehicle. So, and mate, it's they're actually. Machine. So again, this is a whole other podcast. But like, I've woken up in the back of that thing and just like, where the hell am I? Someone's got a shopping trolley banging into the side of my van. So <laughs> there, there's been those moments as well. Um, and I
0: mean, like as I said, you, you you struggled through those dark times, and you still had the goal to build this van
1: and to travel, and that's what you did. Like, yeah. So and look. The, the the divorce was supposed to take X amount of time. It just started taking too long. The van was built ready to rock and roll, and I was like, "Oh, I just want to go, but I can't. I'm waiting for the divorce." So I was like, "You know, what? I'm going to go buy the. I'm going to go buy a little posty bike, and yeah. I'm going to strap it to the back of this van, so then I can just go and um do some, to go to the groceries when I'm in camp and stuff." And my mate was like, "Mate, you don't even know how to ride a motorbike, so I'll go get my vi- li- bike license." And then one day, <laughs> actually. So one day I just I got my bike license and then one day I just rolled into my mate's house riding this little postie and he's like what are you gonna do with that and I said I don't know but it's kind of cool it's got these saddlebags and a bzzz, yeah. no yeah, clutch yeah, yeah. and he goes mate you were gonna kill yourself on that thing you were genuinely gonna die so none
0: other, none of none of your other mates were riders
1: or in any like you had look, no had, exposure to motorcycles not really I mean look truth be told when I was I think 13, I was living in that, the zoo. My mum bought like an ag bike, a farm bike. And I kind of learned the basics of riding that thing for about a couple of weeks. And then it got stolen and it was just gone. Yeah, right. So, and then when I was a kid, like, yeah, I did have friends that went riding motorbikes, but I just didn't have the money to buy them. I just didn't have the money to be part of that sort of, so I never went away with them. That was not my, that was not my agenda. You know what I mean? So, so no, I had, I, I knew, um, you know. Yeah, the, I didn't the basics, the basics, the basic basics. So you thought, oh well,
0: I've got a van, I'm going to travel. I might as well buy a posty bike because they look dope. Yeah, and, be, uh, and all it's like a
1: scooter. I just wanted a scooter to scoot around on. Maybe go to the beach and hand strap a surfboard to it or something. Yeah, yeah. Chicks would dig
0: me on a scooter. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is going to work out really well.
1: And but then it would turn out to be a lemon it was a total lemon yeah because i mean i knew nothing about bikes and even like i, I mean like i bought it at a lemon price like a couple hundred bucks so what did yeah. i expect so yeah. you know um so then i was at the gym i was like oh god i wanted to go i wanted to get this posty I wanted to get a motorbike and a guy at the gym just said mate check out uh, bike sales have a look on that you'll find something pretty cheap and reasonable and i said i didn't even know what it was he just lost, like car sales but for bikes So from where my gym was, I looked on the first page, and I think like six bikes down, there was like this white bike with like knobby tires, and I thought, that kind of looks cool, and it was kind of like on the way home, and I could just go check, swing by on the way home. So I rang this guy, and he goes, yeah, look, I'm selling it for a friend. He's moved to Thailand, and now I've got his bike in my shed. Here we go, blah, blah, blah. So I said, I'll stop in and say, have a look. So I went there and had a look at this bike. It's a 2008 WR250R, had 5,000 Ks, or 4,900 Ks on the clock. <clears throat> and i was like cool
0: yeah not knowing anything about bikes not knowing what that meant at all now nah. so this guy's like this is a yamaha and you're like mm, don't they make pianos and like you have no <laughs> idea about anything what to look at is pretty like, much yeah, yeah. had you, no you, clue you had, did you like you wouldn't know how to like oh man it's so crazy to think that like you wouldn't know like where the air filter would be you wouldn't know how to change spark plugs you nope. wouldn't know how to you wouldn't even know Nothing. like how to tension chains. that's that so thing, amazing
1: that thing could have been twisted off yeah. its head yeah that's
0: exactly it it probably could have come with no chain and you'd be like oh man this is amazing oh this is
1: fucking awesome like uh, yeah no didn't know a thing so but then the guy you know he was chatting Tra- I've actually still got this guy's number, right? So when I was travelling around, I'd send him photos. But that's the best fucking thing ever! Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> right. So because uh, I just I just saved it in, as my in my phone as Motorbike Joe. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so <clears throat> so then he goes, "Oh, look, my mate also had this bag of kit. So he's got this big Yamaha racing bag. He pulls it out, two jerseys, pair of pants, uh, tech seven boots, helmet, gloves, all the fun stuff, right? right. And he goes, huh, cool, try it all on.' So I put all this gear on. I'm like, mm. it fits me like a glove, like what? perfectly, perfectly like, like even like the body armor. I said, "Cool, this is cool." Like, I feel this, good now. I feel good. He goes, <laughs> well, why don't you take it for a spin, mate?" I was like, "Yep, yep." And no shit, I actually looked and I went like, like, where's the kickstart on this thing?" Oh no! And he's like, "Oh mate, it's just ignition." And I was like, "Ah, oh, sweet!" <laughs> and off I went. So here yeah, I was in uh, inner city Melbourne in Coburg. It was like so pretty pretty built up area and I'm just like right one up and ten down or two far, one, <laughs> one down something something like that so I'm just clunking through these gears and I'm riding around these roundabouts and I'm just like you know from a posty bike to a 250 yeah in full motocross gear and I felt like I was riding a Ferrari well because you, you would have never ridden in motorbike boots too so you've got all nah, this like no your, motorbike your, boots the first
0: time your foot's
1: like full restrictive you're like how the fuck do I change
0: gear oh, with my mate, foot like what's going hilarious. on Especially like most people learn to ride their bike in a paddock somewhere and they're young and they're open and they've, you know, they've got shoes on. You've decided to take a 250 in the heart of Melbourne, fully yeah. kitted out.
1: At least you had the protective gear on for yeah. when you, you know, you cra- And to be honest, truth be told, I was probably hungover at the time as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so and I, that was it. You fell in love with it. Yeah. So that was, just, I said... And he goes, so I got back, somehow stayed upright, got around the corners and everything else. And I got back to this guy's house. And I was like, mate, this thing is cool as shit. And um, he goes, oh, it also comes with this tow ball rack. Like this thing will just slot into the back of your car and away oh, you go. it's just made for you. And I was like, sold. Yeah. So uh, yeah, 3300 bucks for the whole lot. Rack, bike. Bag, probably about, probably, you know,
0: it's because it's a Yamaha, you probably about paid about 300 dollars more than you should have but um no mate the guy totally ripped me off <laughs> <laughs> your so. words not mine but um yeah and and that was it that you put that did you when you wrote it for the first time did you get that oh maybe I should do the lap on this instead of the van
1: mate no i actually um no nah, so the van like i was in love with that van yeah right like i'll never sell that thing that thing has got more memories than you more know. memories and stains and if should. I ever go for president I'll probably have to burn that thing get rid of all <laughs> kinds of evidence but um so I'll never I'll never I'll just never go for president no <laughs> well, what
0: a shame we're going to miss out on your uh, yeah. your amazing policies yeah but um, um
1: so yeah so I just had this bike and it was like it took me you know I bought it in just before Christmas and I somehow managed to just get it in for roadworthy get it registered and it was like registered on on um new year's eve and you know, it was like, I've got this fully registered bike and um, how the fuck do I ride this thing? <laughs> <laughs> all the gear, no idea. Perfect, mate. And like, I think even when I bought it, I came home and I laid all the gear out and I put all the gear on. I think there's a photo on my socials somewhere, like the day I got my bike and I'm I'm wearing all this gear. And I just look like the helmet looks like a golf ball on my head and I've got the, <laughs> the armor on the outside of my jersey and, oh. and I'm just like and, like, all the gear, no idea, just, what like, a, looking what sheepish a gumby. That's shit. awesome. No, that's Totally awesome. sheepish, yeah. And what age are you at this time as well? Man, I must have, well, this is only a couple of years ago, so, you know, 27. <laughs> nah, so I must have been 33 or 34. Yeah, right. 2018,
0: yeah. Yeah, right. So it's such a, you know, in the scheme of things, such a, a late starter onto a bike, which is, uh, which is mm. excellent, but it kind of worked out really well that you were able to find a bike, your riding gear and a, like a and a bike carrier all
1: in the same Mate, deal. it was the beginners package. Yeah. It was the, the the bike riders adventure the beginners kit, you know. And
0: um well, and I guess that that led to you finally getting on the road, finally starting the the huge yeah. adventure that you wanted to that you started, you know, back when you're a teenager, you can now really do it. And I guess as well you probably look at it going well I started it when I was 18, 19, 20 and I was doing it in this Crappy old Falcon. Now I'm doing it in a crappy old van with a crappy old Yamaha, like, mate. And I tell you i am right, gone. <laughs> look how far we've come. Yeah, look, you know. Yeah, yeah. But which, what which, an inspiration. Which, well, it's exciting. But like you're 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 reading your book, which is I, I just applaud anyone to go read the book. You your first you you managed to find a couple of people to to help you along your way, which was great. And then you decided, well, I better like go and learn how to ride the bike as well. So you you did a whole bunch of stuff around that as well.
1: So, I mean, look, yeah. So even mate, at the time, so I've, I've, you know, looking back now, everything was falling into place. Like I was putting it out in the universe. I just want to go on this crazy adventure. I want an adventurous life. Give me an adventurous life. I was just pleading with the universe. Do you know what I mean? Um, so then I had the van, the bike, the gear and the, the divorce was finalized. I had a, bucket full of cash and i was just ready to hit the road <clears throat> and um but i was still living this incredibly like destructive yeah. lifestyle like every weekend i was like all right don't go to the pub mate don't go to the pub mate be good be good, be good. Then, hey mate we're having beers at the you in five minutes and yeah. i'll be there yeah. and then i wake up three days later like what the fuck just happened and yeah. then it was so it was really really hard so i remember the first um the first real adventure i went on was like if i don't get out of town today Um, I finished work, if I don't get out of here, I'm just going to be back making shit decisions in the same pubs with the same people. Love those people, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, it was just, I just knew what was going to happen if I stayed in town. You knew the the path of what that was going to go with. I just um, strapped some fuel to the back of my bike, my newly registered bike. Still didn't know how to ride it. And... um, Left the, the riding boots at home, put a set of hiking boots on instead because I thought I was going to go down on Wilson's prom. I had this idea to, to, um, I was going to, any day now, I was going to leave on this trip. So I had the idea to do the compass points, Yeah. touch those compass yep. And like, I knew nothing about the compass points. Um, uh, but I thought, uh, one of my mates said, You, you got to ride to Cape York. It's the, one of the wildest parts of the, the country, one of the wildest tracks on the planet. I said, Well, I don't know how to do it yet, but by the time I get there, I probably should know how to do it, you know. Um, <laughs> So, best so I, attitude to have ever. <laughs> oh, to be we'll work it out best attitude to have. So then, um, so that weekend, I just strapped some some fuel and a backpack with some shit in it to my bike, and I just rode all the way down to Wilson's Prom, which is all just bitumen, but it's still 300 k's or something. That's a big ride for your first ride. Yeah. So that was like a, a, you know, like that broke you in. That broke me. I was like, this is cool. Mm. You know, like I'm doing 115 k an hour, full gear, top noise, and I'm just like <laughs> the wind is in my hair. <laughs> This is wild. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I've got the cape. Fuck you all. (laughs) (laughs) It was the wildest experience of my life. But um, yeah, so that little trip down to South Point was like, um, you know, it was like... through that, throughout the night, like so, I got there late in the day and I had to hike all the way down to this uh, South Point, which is like 40 odd K's. You know, and at the time, I was really out of shape. I'd been 18 months drinking piss and doing mm. all the wrong things to my body. I had no food with me, I, I hadn't really prepared at all. Like, I just pit, like got on the bike and rode off on an impulse. And um, I, was, I'm, I'm, I had it in my head, I'm going to South Point, whatever. So, I parked the bike up at this car park, you know, tied it to a tree. I didn't even have like. Anyone could have just picked my bike up and walked. So it wasn't off with chained to a tree. Nah. It was literally just tied to a. It was tree. tied to a tree. That's like, so, yeah, right. Yamaha. No one's going to steal it. But yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. So and um, I just started hiking in the night to get down to this, um, to get down to to the southernmost point of the, the mainland. And it's a long walk. It's about forty odd k's. Yeah. Yeah. Long ass walk. That's it's a long ass walk. That's a hike. Yeah. But um, you know, I had like a fucking tourist map. I had no compass. I had no, like, nothing with me. And I'm just oh, hiking in the line. Am I even on the right track? And then like. In that night, during the night, there was like all the demons were coming up, like the negative self-talk. Like, yeah. you're on the wrong track, mate. You shouldn't be out here. Yeah. You're wearing fucking board shorts. What are you doing? you, you got know, no food. you, you got, got no food. It's, it's cold. cold. It's wet. Yep. It's raining. Turn around. You were not cut out for this. This is a shit idea.
0: But that grit and determination was still yeah. there. Yeah,
1: and then um, somewhere along the night, like, I just, I remember I was sitting on the track in the middle of nowhere, like, just fucking cold. I was like, Benji, mate, if you turn around now, you will be back in the pub tomorrow and that's what will become of your life mm. and that is who you will be and that is who you will be. Like you, then fucking get your shit together. You're on the right track. You had a big lunch. Keep walking and get this fucking job done. Yeah. You know, and that voice sort of came back in my head. It was like, you know, I hadn't heard that voice in a long time. It was just like, it had just been nothing but self-destructive, um, you know, self-talk for so long and it was like, get your shit together, get the fuck up and keep fucking moving forward. Yeah. And so I did. And I walked all the way down to this, um, I, I made camp that night somewhere in the bush and I just walked all the way down to this, um, little patch of rock and the, at the edge of the world there. <clears throat> and, um, I think I really just kind of turned a corner that night and I just thought, fuck yeah, like I can, I got there. Fuck I'm hungry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> hiked all the way back the next day, Got on the bike, ride all the way back. And for me, that was like this, you know, riding back on a, on the Sunday, after getting down there, I was just, you know, like totally elated that I'd accomplished yeah. my goal and that I i hadn't, I'd finally not given in to that, um, that shitty voice and ended up in the pub. And I'd yeah. fi- I, I feel like I turned a corner. I guess it's also my,
0: like a big thing, like that's it. You've, you've, you've realised that you can do the compass points because you've just done one. You've done, just done one. one yeah. yeah. But you've also, you're riding a motorbike, which you'd never thought you'd do, like mm. down a highway full of cars and stupid shit like that. You're like just doing all these things that those negative voices probably said. No, you're not good enough to do, mate. Yeah, your shit. Don't even try that. And you're just like, fuck you, just air punching and yeah, kicking, yeah, like just yeah. having this
1: massive moment. It would have been, it would have been huge. Yeah, especially coming from you know like all the loss and everything. And it was just like, fuck. All right, we're doing this. And then a couple of weeks later, I was the van was packed. All my shit was in, um, was sold or in storage. And I just had like whatever was in my van. Like I took all my birth certificates with me everything every position i owned in the in the world was in that van with the bike on the back and i thought i don't know if i'll ever come back to melbourne fuck i don't even know if i'll survive this lap I, I, who knows cuz i was still you know pretty pretty loose yeah um and yeah i was on the road it, it's funny cuz it's almost like the like you 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 did this and it's
0: kind of like the first thing that's actually gone right in mm. your life you know and so you're asking the universe give me a sign give me this adventure and it's the first time in your life where things have just gone like tick 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 yeah. like it's all working everything else is, as you said before you just had doors shut in your face left right center yeah. all of a sudden the universe is like yeah here's a motorbike but here's all the riding gear here's the van but here's all the building equipment to yeah. do it
1: like yeah. like it's just bam 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 it's kind of a sign that you were like fuck all right this is got to happen so what was cra- yeah so and i was also um starting to go get a little bit like weird like this is this is crazy like shit's just happening now like there's no more doors getting slammed like um i started this trip around the, the basically i started a lap of the map so from melbourne i left and i went in a clockwise direction from melbourne down the great ocean road over to um south australia yep and just kept and like i kept sort of parking up and i'd take my bike on rides through these little towns and i even went um yeah you know, through some coastal areas and things like that but um you
0: went to robe as well <laughs> I went to robe which went, is
1: a, which is a big moment for you as well that was a big moment because i thought um a mate of mine said to me you've got to ride your bike on a beach yeah something you got to do you know and robe is the place to do it now robe in south australia robe in south australia It's a small coastal town yeah, you know, there's a lot of sand dune country, a lot of, um, like there's a little dip conservation park and there's a lot of sandy tracks and you can ride out or drive out onto the beaches there. So it's kind of like the first little spot on my adventure that kind of said, well, mate, you've got to go ride this bike on the sand.
0: Was it because you knew what was coming up when you went up north of WA and you're like, I better get some sand training in now?
1: No, no. Right. Ignorance is bliss. Sometimes, so. yeah. No, but right. I just remember, like, I pulled up in Robe, and I was like, you know, I've left Melbourne, I've left everything, and I was kind of like shitting myself in, in complete new territory. Yeah. You know, like I was, I was on a fucking island, and um. So, and my mate had said to me, "You've got to ride on the beach. You'll love it. You've got you'll love it." So I was sitting in my car, and I remember these voices going around in my head going, oh, you know, you've got no experience. If you hurt yourself, your adventure's going to be over and you've just started. And I, you know, then I was like, mate, this is what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. This is what you fucking signed up for. Get the gear on and get the fucking bike off.
0: Because, I mean, through your book, you had a lot of those moments where that self-doubt really and that that destructive talk really played on your mind, but you are still able to have that, once again, that grit and determination just go, fuck you, voices, I've
1: got this. That's right. So I think... And yeah, so every time, mate, every time there, there would be the 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 two, the two sides of the same coin coming up, you know, in conflict with one another. And the more I just sort of ignored the the negative stuff, the, the louder the 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 can-do attitude started to come back. You do you, know? I
0: think? Do you reckon it's also because you you were in in some form like a bit the ignorance is bliss because you
1: didn't really know what was coming ahead. Um, at the time, look, even so, I guess ignorance is bliss. But I did, like, I knew what I was doing was, was crazy. I knew yeah. there was sand and I knew the consequences. Especially were Robe, where, like, the story mm, that, that yeah. comes through Robe, like, it was, it's dicey what you were doing. It's dicey, yeah. So, I, saw, I rode out into this, so I, I put the gear on. I mean, at the time, so, in Robe, I think, I even talk about it in my book, I'd ridden in my mo- my riding boots, like, three times. Yep. I, I did not feel comfortable changing gears in those things. You know, I'd, I'd changed my air filter twice because it's never even had dust on it. Mm. You know, and my riding experience was that That roundabouts and uh, and uh, highways, roundabouts and like fifty cent like uh, 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 fifty centing around the roundabouts and stuff like that. So, so I ended up riding out onto through robe and through these sandy tracks, and my mate just told me you got to go fast in the sand. That's the only way you can stay on top. I was like, fuck that, this is shit. Mm. You know, I was just like. Fighting the sand the whole way, and the bike kept running up the banks. And then I'd drop it, and i had to dig my leg out, and I'd pull it back up. And I finally got out onto this beach, <clears throat> and I rode down these fort these rutted tracks. And the, the sand was just so fucking deep. And um, I so I jumped off the bike, and I tried to push it a little bit further. And I was just you know, fat and out of condition at that stage. So I was just like, I'm wrecked here. So I just stopped, parked the bike, um. Walked down in the waters and wet my face and looked back up at the beach. And I looked at my bike, and like the direction I'd come was just sand yeah. all the way to Africa, and the direction I was going was just sand all the way to bloody South America. Like, it's just yeah. like this. I am in a shit spot here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would have been exhausted too. I was exhausted, overheating again, mate. No food. No food. No. totally. Like, no. Not total, like I, I was a fucking tourist out there. Yeah. And I just laughed. You were going to be a statistic. That's I a statistic. what you were going to be. Yeah. I laughed out loud, and I just said, "You are in this now, Brunden. Let's do it. This is yeah. what we signed up for." And um, yeah, just just kept on pushing on, and again, like got through that, got got over that beach, got through the next sandy track. You know, got through the next beach, it was just the sandy, got through the next sandy track, and then I finally got onto this third beach and um it was like hard pressed sand. And I was just cruising along the beach, it was just an absolute joy to ride on and I was just like, This is fucking cool. Really? This is so cool and yeah. I just must have ridden up and down that beach like a dozen times. <laughs> Um, just you know, enjoying that nice hard just pack. Like, I don't want to go back into the soft sand yeah yeah you knew what you were going back for no this is it this is my but, life now um, you know and I think it was just like after being so exhausted in the deep stuff and pushing my bike up these fucking sand up you know it was horrible and then getting out on the hard press stuff I just said right this is what it's all about and whatever happens from this point forward, you're not going to turn back. Yeah. Because this is what happens when you push further forward.
0: Which is which is amazing that you're able to get through, yeah, like two beaches, the soundtracks and dunes to then be able to get that reward. Yeah. Most people <clears> would have gone, oh, I've got three beaches. It's not going to be worth it because I know yeah. it's going to be the same. But you were able to go, no, no, I just want to see what's next. And keep going. I just want to see what's next. And that is determination. That is that's resilience to go. No, no, the next one could be better. Oh, no, it's fucking not. All right. Well, the next one could be better. Oh, there's fucking sand dunes. And yeah. then you get on it and there's like this reward. Once again, it's that universe just going, <laughs> fuck yeah, you're doing the right thing, so brother. So it was,
1: yeah. And, you know, again. So then I, I, I get I ring I get back to reception, I ring my mate and I tell him what I've done. I said, Mate, you're a maniac, you shouldn't be out there. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> I nearly died. <laughs> I nearly died. And um And did and was that like that last
0: beach, was that it? Was that, that that love for motorcycling?
1: I think after that, like I thought, fuck yeah, this is cool. Like this is the this is awesome. Yeah. Like right on a hard pressed beach like that was just insane. And, um, and then I just had it in my mind, you know, like again, that hyper focus, I had it in my mind. I'm going to touch the compass points. The compass points are sandy. They're all sandy. So I got to learn how to ride in sand Yeah. or I'm going to be. Roadkill out there. Well, because I mean, before you said the bike was only just to go get like groceries
0: and run around mm. and things like that. So then, did you now start seeing the motorcycle as a formative adventure instead of just as yeah, a, that was a, it instead of an, a need like a, a means to get what you needed? Now you could see this is its own adventure. Yeah. I got the van as an adventure, but now the bike is an adventure.
1: So the 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 idea to get the groceries was always just to get the groceries, and that was before the compass points idea was hatched. Mm. So yeah, once was, the compass points you know got a hold in my brain and that was it that yeah. was bike life bike life baby yeah so you know and then i i sort of had a few more uh, rides like that all by myself into another plus i kept going across the um <clears throat> the southern end of the country and i got over to western australia i had a very similar experience like that in a place called the Fitzgerald river national park where i again you know. Couldn't ride drive down this road it was so corrugated had to, so I just pulled the van up on the side of like this dirty this dirty sandy road and just rode down this track I had you know and this is again sketchy like reckless washed out road you decided to ride down reckless as shit. No beacon, no reception. No one knew I was there. Look, and prior to that, I'd ridden on in Esperance. I'd ridden on the beaches in Esperance. Yep. I'd ridden on uh, the beaches of Streaky Bay in South Australia. Streaky Bay's beautiful too, yeah. I've ridden, uh, I rode a couple of tracks on the Nullarbor, so I'd done a little bit more, you know, but these are tiny little rides in comparison. So I got on this uh, track in the Fitzgerald River National Park. Mate, Sandy just deep, tight, the the scrub was <laughs> one saddlebag on, Yeah, only one saddlebag, so the bike isn't balanced. No, I'm kicking my feet out either side and I just like, I think it must have been about 70 odd Ks I rode, you know, with fuel straps. So even like then I was already strapping fuel to the back of my bike because I kind of looked on the map and I thought, well, it must be X amount. I don't know what even, I'll just carry extra fuel. So yeah, because I, that's right. When I bought the bike, I... It modified the tail to so my postie bike, yeah, saddle bags that would fit would, on would um it. would strap to the back of my bike so yeah. I could take gear with me on these little adventures. So that's how I was able to carry everything. Um, but yeah, I got to the coastline of the Fitzgerald River and I came out on these massive cliffs and it was just like it was like something out of a Jurassic Park movie I expected to see pterodactyls flying through the sky <laughs> you know um, in your
0: book you described it as a battle too like you were battling the whole way there battling was, the whole way it, yeah. you knew
1: you are out of your depth the whole ride yep totally out of my depth but just again stubborn as shit something determination to you were like I gotta get there I got to see there. what's at the end of the world here yeah. so this, it's gotta be better it's gotta be better ahead of it. it's gotta be better right. it's gotta be better again I tell you so again I rode down, I got to these cliffs, huge granite boulders. And then at the bottom of these cliffs, there was this little white sandy beach. And I rode down this track and it was like I was riding into an abyss. If I went back there now, it was probably a steep driveway. But at the time, for me, it was (laughs) an abyss into Hell's gates itself. So I rode down, parked my bike, and then I walked out onto this beach. And it was just like a paradise. Yeah. you know you would have imagined like the indigenous australians would have had a like a village there yeah. there was a river in the back and the fish were just swimming past and they're coming up and looking at me and they were looking at me going hey mate we haven't seen you around here for a long time yeah, yeah. you know and they were like i could have scooped them up and eaten them just once again that reward at the end of so, pushing through yeah just... and these cliffs were just lining the beach i just stripped off naked ran up and down this beach and mate, i remember the thunder of the the swell coming in and hitting the cliff walls was just like a it was just like thunder mm. echoing around me. And at that moment, I was just like this huge feeling of elation. Yeah. You know, and I just ran in and dived into the thundering surf. And I came up, and I was just roaring into the surf. And I was like, you can't beat me. Yeah. You can't fucking beat me. Nick Minute
0: Rogue Wave just yeah. knocks you the yeah. shit
1: out. <laughs> you were wrong.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my legs. Yeah, right back now, motherfucker. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. No, it no were... didn't, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, I was just roaring. Like, I was just... My... The adrenaline was just... And, like, it was just screaming. Like, there was just all this frustration and all this pent-up anger. And I was just, like, purging my soul of all this shit. Yeah. And I was like... You know, I actually don't say this in my book, but I was just screaming,
0: Fuck you! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Fuck you! Yeah. You know, just... um Yeah. And, like, there was tears coming down my face. And I was just like... Like, just... Just... It was just so fucking raw. You Mate, because it, it, it'd be, like,
0: one of those moments, like, for us... <clears throat> When we ride, we know our limits, so we know what we can do and what we mm. can't do. You've never ridden before, and now you're tackling some of the hardest, most remote terrain in the world. Your entire life, you've had a plan. P- train, work hard, get to that plan. Now, no offense, but you've had no training on these bikes. You don't know what you're doing. No. Every day, it's like you wake up not knowing how to put your undies on, and yet you, you, at the end of the day... You've won and you've put your undies on. And yeah. these, these completions and these, these these wins that you're having, they're not trained for. They're not planned. No. You've had them. So that must be a huge feeling to know that the previous part of your life, all that planning and structure to get what you want, you've never got it. But every morning you've gone, I'm
1: just going to go and see what's over there. And you've fucking been no, rewarded. Mate, at the time, I was just, yeah, I was That's literally huge. just... huge. So... It was like I was just sending it over everything. Yeah, you and, had no
0: idea, and yet you were getting rewarded every mm. every time. And
1: I was actually learning every time. So every time I went out, I'd learn. Okay, well, these are my fuel burns. I know what I, I know what I, what distances I'm getting at yep. at what revs and in what gears. Yeah. I know you're learning on you the know, fly. For example, I knew uh, when I did the the. the uh, Wilson's prom thing. It was a 40k hike. I'd had nothing to eat, but I had four cans of tuna. I knew I could go 40ks on four cans. So I knew if I carried a couple of extra cans, I could, you know, this little kit was my 100k walkout kit. You know, yeah, right. I could walk 100ks on this little ki- this yeah. little kit of food. But once again, and
0: you're learning on the fly <clears> compared <throat> to the you know the previous time of your life. You're you're reading books to study. You're you're trying yeah. you're very hardest to be the best before you go and attempt these things, where now you're just learning on the fly and be like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck I, it. I can do anything. It. Yeah. Let's get at it, yeah. Fuck yeah, and that's awesome.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, so, and look, and it was, it really was, it really was a baptism of fire. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly what it was. Yep, every day um, you were touching the flame hoping it'd be something different man, and I tell you fucking, what. It One was, thing I, I did learn was how to fall off really well. <laughs> I'm a really good, if there was some kind of training manual, I could demonstrate to people on how to fall off and not die. Yep. That, you've got I, it. I've got it. Yeah, I should, yeah. right, that should be my next book. That's your next book. How yep. to fall off and not die. I'll read that book. <laughs> I will read that book, mate. I will. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, so you've gone, so we were talking about the compass points. Now you've done the most Southern compass point. That was yep. your, um, your first attempt, your four cans of tuna attempt. You've got, you're in WA, so obviously yeah. we're going to do the western. Which so is then what? I
1: ended up shooting up to the west coast, and there's yeah the westernmost point is this place called Steep Point. It's mm-hmm. around Shark Bay, uh, Steep Point because it's a very steep rocky peninsula that sort of juts out right on the edge of the the continental shelf there. So really good fishing, really popular for guys to go fishing off those cliffs, but also really remote, real remote, <clears throat> real remote. So the last. Stop for fuel and things like that. Is this place called the Overlander Roadhouse? And from there, I just parked up at a caravan spot. And I think it was like a hundred. As I think it was, must have been one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty k's each way to get out there. And it was like, shit. All right, um, haven't really gone this far before, <laughs> and uh, not really too hot on corrugated roads. Yeah, it was like it's, cool not, it's not asphalted roads. No, it's just shitty shit roads. Um. So yeah, I just tried to basically, and I made I made the video on YouTube. So funnily enough, I was with Telstra at the time. You get perfect reception out there, (laughs) you know. It's so weird. So the night before, I'm going. I'm about to go on this journey. Like I've checked my filters, I've done my oil, and you know, my chain was probably loose as shit. I wouldn't have even known. But no, I'm still. You had good knobs on your tires. You're sorted. I'm still working it all out. Yeah. So um, in the morning. I called my friend and said look i'm gonna go try out and try and get to this place called steep point you know um if you don't hear from me this is where i am just send the send the choppers or something and man i must have ridden out over a hundred hundred k's or more before i even saw a car you know and the whole time so that's right the night before i just because i had perfect reception it was just youtube how to ride a motorbike in the sand And just, I must have watched hours and hours and hours of tutorials on sand riding, stand up, lean back, squeeze the tank, all that sort of stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, mate, just sent it, just sent it out. And just like I said, 110, 110 Ks or more before I saw a car coming the other way. I was like, thank fuck.
0: You're on the right track, <laughs> but he's going the wrong way. Yeah, like, but you're you know? still
1: you still going the right way. There's still some kind of population out there, and then I think it was another. I got to about the 120k mark before I found another car who was going the same way as me. Oh, he so caught I was up some. Like, cool, someone beauty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I he mean, must be you, doing something right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, um, and the the track out to a steep point, like again, the, fir- the when it starts to get really sandy, you've got the first juniors is like it's pretty big. So and it's got a steep turn at the bottom, and then you've got to just shoot up, um. The, the steep side of this dune. And I must have got five metres up there. The bike banged and clanged and rode up the bank and then I was just stuck and I had to push this bike all the way to the top of this dune. And I was sweating bullets because by then it was like 35 degrees. Yeah. It was fucking hot you out You left there. early though. <clears throat> left early, but it was still the West Australian coastline in, you know, March. Oh, yeah. So it was yeah. hot. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you grew up over there. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I got to the top of this sand dune and I was just 100, must have been 100 odd k's in by then and looked out, you could see the the Shark Bay, beautiful waters, where I'd come from, my my car's back that way, it's back safe over there and in front of me there was literally just an ocean of sand dunes, like it was (laughs) something out of the Arabian Nights, you know, like I was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, I am well out of my depth. <laughs> I am quick, bring bugged. those YouTube videos up. Quick, quick, quick. I am fucked. And yes, yeah, so, um, I thought, oh, yeah, we'll get to the next sand dune and see how we go from there. And then I just, again, got to the next one, survived, got to the next one, survived, and then just kept on going and sort of started to really kind of pick up, get the hang of sand riding Yeah, and uh, started squirting. I mean, look, I was still horrible around the corners and stuff like that, but... Mate, at some points, I was getting up to 80 or 90k an hour. Nice. Across the sand, yeah. Just, yeah. <clears throat> just going, woohoo, scary. Yeah. <laughs> and overshooting the corner. I have no and idea it, what I'm doing. <laughs> I no idea what I'm doing. Now. How do I get out of this bush? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got out there. And I just got out to the um, the sign, you know, like steep point. Hooray, hurrah. And I was just like, fuck yeah, this is sick. And there was this family of um, people out there and just like, Mate, what the fuck are you doing out here? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? I said, like, you got any water? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've only got four cans of tuna left. I'm in trouble.
1: <laughs> so, uh but look, I was just again, you know, sending it, and it was like every time I'd get, you know, get get through these things, it was like you, your confidence is coming back. Yeah. You know, like at the same time, like there's no way I think I'm a legendary rider because I know I'm. Not which is also what could probably kept me safe, kept me alive is the simple fact that where other riders would have probably sent it over something, I just kind of like yeah, edged back a bit and just kind of rolled Near over. Your limits. Mm. So, my idea was to get out there and live, not die trying, yeah, right. Yeah, and so, that's it. That was your West West Point done. West Point done. Tick that one off the list, and then I kept going around, and you know I met my cousin in the Kimberleys, and I met my cousin in the Pilbara, and he spent two weeks with me, and he took some amazing photos, which is you know all my socials and stuff like that. We went to um, up into the Kimberleys together. We did the you know, and again. Thought someone said to me, "You have to cross the Pentecost River." I'd never crossed a river before. Spent the night before Googling tips and tricks on how to cross, how to cross a cross river. cross the river, yep. So then I've, the very next day, next you know, I'm there's water coming over my handlebars. I'm go, I'm crossing the Pentecost. And in full he's flood. making you
0: do it a couple of times as well because oh, he didn't have the fucking camera on.
1: Yeah, that's right. He didn't have the camera on. So and at the time, like coming up to the Kimberleys in the Top End, I just did not have a healthy respect for crocodiles at the time. I just didn't really appreciate the I thought, well, you know, they're not they're surely not that many. But really um <clears throat> so when we arrived to the the Gibb River Road, so we came up through the top through orquestro and then just shot the thirty Ks down to So you
0: did that in the van, didn't you, the
1: Gib River? No, yeah. so we, we instead of doing the Gib River Road, we went through the inland way which is all bitumen and we came up at out at the top of the Gib River Road. Right. And then from that point, which is the northern end of the Gib River, you only have to drive 30-odd k's down to get to the Pentecost River Crossing. Right, so okay. So that's yeah. what we did. We spent a couple of days uh, exploring around um, the gorges there, etc. So, yeah, like, we got there and there was this... We actually saw a croc and it's submerged and, and someone was like, motherfucker, there's a croc in the water. And he's like, where? And I said, oh, it was there. It's gone now. But it was only a freshwater croc. And he goes, well, how could you tell it was a freshwater croc? And I said, oh, the nostrils are too close together for it to be a. Side <laughs> I was like, yeah, are you sure about that? How could... Oh, I could definitely tell. Oh, get the bike off, mate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I crossed this river and I got across in my first go and I got to the other side. I was like, fuck yeah, like fist pump in the air. And like, my cousin's on the other side goes, ban, ban. I'm like, what? He goes, you're going to have to do it again. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, we didn't get the shot. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. So I come all the way back, right? Well, which is good because he got the shots of me coming back towards him. And he goes, no, 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 no. you got to do it this way. Oh, I was like, what? Right? He's like, all right, we'll do it again. Anyway. Uh, we won't spend too much time with that. But we ended up doing like four or five. I think, well, six times in total. But one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six. You know, yeah. so dropped it on the second time. You know, didn't didn't flood it though. You got didn't it inside it no. somehow. No, like, and that bike is like a submarine, mate. I've had it in some deep water, and it's a high tall bike anyway. But I'm, I remember crossing that river just thinking, Yamaha, what a legendary bike. Just won't die Just won't die Will not die Will not die I just could not believe Especially because you know I didn't know anything about bike maintenance at the time but we yeah. was still going yeah. so um, you're like what air filter no. <laughs> air, air what there's, there's an air filter on a bike? fuel filter what the <laughs> fuck's that yeah
0: and I mean and but then that like in your book there. Well, I'll tell people to go back to your book otherwise we'll spend forever just talking about that mm. in your book you also then talk about Kakadu which oh, like, I really want to talk about where we are running out of like time I know real I know. quick we haven't even got to your fastest ever crossing How long, so,
1: what are we sitting at now an hour or uh, something
0: uh, 58 minutes <sighs> I know, I know. So there's one quick thing I want to talk about because you've also done The Cape, which is a huge story in its own and like multiple river crossings. People go read the book because we're not going to give everything away. You need to go buy the the book. book. Buy the book. the book. The thing that really inspired me though, we've got a little bit of time on this one, was Kakadu. Your experience at Kakadu. You worked at a resort at Kakadu as maintenance. You set up your own little village bar down the bottom. Yeah, yeah. You had this huge experience. But in my eyes... As as a reader, it seemed like Kakadu was that moment that you really became okay with yourself. You kind of like moved on and, and yeah. grew as a person. Yeah. There are, I I can't tell you, the listeners enough to read the book because there is moments in there where you're crossing flood plains, you're chasing buffalo on a bike yeah. that just seems surreal.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah. Again, won't spend too much time on this because it was um it it, it was just an absolute magical experience, but. In Kakadu because I was I had a base and I had some routine and structure back in my life where I, this is what this is what I'm working and this is what I'm doing and this is yeah. where I'll be for the next four months, so I could really focus on the bike. And every time I wasn't working, I'd be out on these wild floodplains chasing buffalo and all that sort of stuff. But what I learned during that time is I was by myself a lot and I learned how to do my bike maintenance, and I became meticulous on that yeah. because I had a few expensive lessons on bike maintenance, you know. You were yeah. surrounded by <clears throat> pilots as well who would have had like... Pilots, the mechanics yeah. in the workshops, and they, some guys had had uh, motorbike experience, you know, could Google things and do all that sort of you stuff. You could
0: really learn because you, cause it, the
1: motorcycle became a tool to explore. Yeah, and by that stage, I had a beacon on my chest, you know. Yeah. I knew that people were... Um, you know, I would tell people where I was going and yep. what I was doing. And it wasn't like this reckless abandonment. Like, I'm just going to go see what this is. Like, I'd plan things and do things. And that's where the structure started to come into these it, these adventures. And after four months in Kakadu, like, and I'm talking like, that is where the wildest stuff happened. Oh, mate. You know? the, the, I,
0: I, it's like a, like, I've got the book here and it's like a chunk of the book. It has to be mm. a, a good quarter of the book. And that's why I don't want to talk about it because people need to read it yeah, so, and understand
1: it. Yeah, so that really was. But after I spent time in Kakadu, after four months in Kakadu doing some pretty crazy shit, I just I just knew that I could get to Cape York. Like yeah. there wasn't a there wasn't the the question of oh you know it's a little bit too far you shouldn't be doing that you're not yeah. ready. I was like no nah, no, nah. if I can cross crocodile infested rivers and come out the other side and tell the tale and get chased by a buffalo and
0: ride bull dust ride long <clears throat> long distances by yourself with no one's around yeah. and be self self reliant. Definitely can do Cape York. I can do Cape York. It almost felt like the stuff you were doing in
1: Kakadu was more remote than the stuff you did at Cape York. It absolutely was because Cape York was almost like a tourist road. You know, you're you're running into people every other day. Whereas in Kakadu, I got invited to to ride my motorbike on the floodplains of the the traditional owners' private land. So there wasn't even roads out there. There was just like sandy tracks on the dust where some, a couple of indigenous lads had been hunting game. Yeah. so I'd either follow their tracks or I'd make my own tracks in the dust and over four months I would follow my own tracks over and over again or make new ones
0: and, and like that's I guess that in in itself is such an amazing privilege to be like m- primarily one of the first motorcycle guys to be in some of these areas that have even not been seen by white man like you've been right and it's a fucking WR250 as well that's Mate, cutting the tracks I'm, so
1: just uh, just a quick one again you we can't spend too much time but I mean I can remember like riding my bike out in the floodplains like you know in the middle of nowhere no tracks nothing parking my bike and just going up and walking up this escarpment wall and just sitting there eating a couple of muesli ma- um, bars and things like that and looking over and there's rock art I'm like cool Wow, there's rock art. (laughs) Hey, mate, someone was sitting here with me 10,000 years or 65,000 years ago painting on the rocks, and I'm eating a muesli bar. And there's no one here.
0: And it's like, it's just mind blowing. Read the book. It's mind blowing to see because there's so many more of those kind of moments where, yeah, you are, you're sitting there and you've kind of just realized. What's going on? You're watching the sunset go down, and, and like the the wildlife is everywhere, or you've, <clears throat> you've you've stalked some wild buffalo, and like sitting on a on a on a, a wetland just watching White buffalo mm. road, and then at the same time you've ridden through a whole kind of herd of wild buffalo too, yeah, just like yep, riding yep. through. Like these are things that is amazing from just like a traveler's perspective. But for a motorcyclist perspective, like this is stuff that we will never do. We've been riding, majority of people have been riding their entire lives and will never ever get to have this. Yet you have been riding for like two years and all of a sudden you're charging this little blue fucking missile across places that no one else has gone. Yeah, that is, is a wild, huge man. thing, man.
1: It was, what, that was where the magic happened. It that, really was. And that, and
0: in your book, that's where you <clears throat> describe that. That's that moment where it, that, yeah. that euphoria, that, that whole change of you has happened. And to be honest, it would happen to anybody because it's such an amazing yeah. privilege to have. It. The
1: motorbike really was that vessel or the, the tool I used to rebuild myself.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is great to see because, you know, we all think of motorcycles as a, as a. And you've said it before in podcasts and in and, and your book that when you get on a motorcycle, you only can see what's in front of it. You can't see anything that's going on. No, like, your mind is your mind is clear. clear. You've had an experience where, like, we have the two. We ride through the bush and all we can think about is a motorbike, which is fine. You know, we, we may go fast, slow, whatever. You're riding this motorbike in Kakadu, wildlife everywhere. It's just a Abundance, huge, yeah. a huge, like... Emotional, spiritual kind of thing to be taking in that, which which I think is the essence of how amazing that motorcycle can give you. You're not going to get. You could have had that in the van. I don't know. Like you may have had it. I don't know. Like not the same. But for doing it on a motorcycle, I mean that's that's why we love motorcycles, yeah, when right? You,
1: in Kakadu, you would. You know, someone said to me, for example. <clears throat> Someone said to me when I was in Kakadu, because everyone thought I was actually crazy. You can't go you know, I had a hunting knife duct taped to the back of my riding boot and they're like, Mm. you're a madman. And, um, you know, someone said to me, why do you do it? And I said, mate, there's nothing else like it in the world. There wouldn't be. When you ride a bike across the beach, you taste the salt air in your lips. Mm. You know, when you go through a dip in the forest, you feel the temperature change um, you feel the earth change yeah. in the handlebars as it, as the as the bike rides across the open ground, and you know one of the things in Kakadu was you would smell the buffalo. Mm. You would know, and buffalo dangerous, big, angry motherfuckers, right? You would smell the buffalo in the area, and it would hit your nostrils, and then the the hair would stand up on the back of your neck, and your eyes would narrow in, and you'd just be like, like hyper-focused like you're yeah. about to get charged or you're about to boot off into the bush looking for an exit because and that is just like you just can't you don't get that in a car no you don't get that in, on the like, edge
0: yeah like yeah it's a thing that these huge beasts are going to charge you at any point mm. you don't get that a Fink you don't get that doing a hard injury
1: this is a whole new yeah. bitch so when you smell them you yeah. know and that was a thing in Kakadu like you knew like your pulse was racing man like just just the thought of that
0: but as I said We're going to leave that there for part two. Read the book. We're going to, part three, which is going to be a good one, we're going to talk about you being the fastest man in the desert. um, (laughs) But that's part two. Read the book. Hunting fear. Read it. You'll get more because there's more about Cape York. We're not even going to talk about that. because We're going to let that just oh, be out I was the ether. filter out to nothing. But- yeah, because they because it's going to make them want to know more because the stories of Cape York are getting some guys to like help you through yeah, some so- of the stories, some of the backpackers you were talking about there so, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Go listen to that. That's the end of uh, part two. Thank you so much. We will be back soon.
1: Cheers.